Hey, hey, church fam, welcome to the first episode of the No Man's Land podcast. This is a brand new podcast out of the Church of Christ on McDermott Road. I am Travis Pauly. I am the creative content editor at McDermott and have been for about two and a half years. And I'm also on the Bible study podcast with Wes McAdams. We put out every week and this one is going to be going out every week on Thursdays. So I hope if you enjoy this, you'll be looking for new episodes every week. Uh, we've gotten a chance to do a couple of these so far, and I've really, really enjoyed the conversations. Um, the conversations are going to be centered around church life and how to be a committed follower of Jesus. I'm looking at this from the perspective of a young Christian who is looking down the road at um, how the church will be shaped uh, from here on out, how the church is shaped by everything going on right now and how we stay committed to the mission of the church, to the mission that Christ left us uh, and that the apostles left us in the, uh, in the New Testament. And um, just sitting down with fellow Christians, uh, a lot of members and staff at McDermott, uh, leaders there as well, and, uh, and then some other folks down the road as well. Um, I want this to be a quick intro because I do want to go ahead and get into this conversation. Um, they are going to be long-form discussions, and if you're looking at the time code on this episode, you might be going really long-form discussions. Um, this one is a little bit longer than the other ones I've, do, I've, uh, I've done so far, but, you know, it is a pilot episode, so it should be a little bit longer, right? This one's clocking in at around two hours, so we don't want to go too far over that time. Uh, I want to introduce the guest today. Some of you folks at McDermott uh, might be wanting to get to know this guy a little bit better, so this is a good opportunity to do that. Uh, I know I really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better. Uh, this is with Marcus Stinson. Marcus is our high school youth minister here at McDermott. Started uh, earlier this year. Uh, he, is a, he is also a founding member of Be One, Make One, an organization dedicated to helping churches make disciples. And he's also the co-founder of Christians for Kenya, a nonprofit serving uh, to equip and empower disciples in Kenya to spread the gospel. So Marcus was a really, really fun guest to get this thing kicked off and uh, had a wonderful conversation with him. Um, it was a lot of fun. I hope that uh, that's what these discussions uh, continue to be as they have been thus far. Uh, just a lot of fun and and uh, really getting at the heart of what it takes to be a Christian and what it takes to find our purpose as Christians. Something I've been thinking about uh, that I'll talk about in a lot of these conversations with guests is, you know, how, you know, I, I work at a church, right? I work here with uh, the church at McDermott Road. And even then, you know, sometimes I'm looking around going, what, what, what are more opportunities to get involved What's my purpose as part of uh, as part of the body of Christ, and uh, and I keep thinking to myself, you know, if 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 you work at a church and can and can be wondering that from time to time, you know, and and as I remember in years past, you know, it, it is something that I think about a lot as a Christian. You know, what could I be doing more? What could I be doing to be more involved? And sometimes, you know, the the answer to that question doesn't seem super obvious. You know, we sort of have this. Uh, I think, general expectation of ourselves about how uh, we live the Christian life and how we 
involve ourselves with a church, if we involve ourselves with a church. And so I want to get to the heart of that. I want to get advice. I want to get uh, people to pour into these uh, these uh, these topics and these conversations. And uh, so far, again, I've talked to Marcus. I've talked to our member here at McDermott, Garth Nash. Uh, I've talked to Kyle Beard, our middle school minister, and Matt, our family life minister. Uh, and there's a lot of really fun ones that uh, have coming up very soon as well. So uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, go ahead and like, share, subscribe. You can find this podcast, depending on where you're seeing this, you can find it on our McDermott Road YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed to that, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and the notification bell, if you will. And you can also find this under the No Man's Land podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hope you enjoy. See you next week. So one of the things that I maybe know, I was like, we got to sit down with Marcus. Because Wes and I have been talking about it for the Bible study podcast. And then when I was starting this one, I was like, okay, I got to talk to Marcus about this. Because you preached a sermon mm-hmm. earlier this summer mm-hmm. about meeting God. Yeah. It was out of Isaiah. And you you told this story about sort of you were in a high school or a college class. Yeah, that was in a, I was in a college statistics class. College statistics class. Yeah. And you... You talked about sort of you're having an existential crisis in this class, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I got to know more about that. What was there a build up? Like, what was the lead up to that? Kind of having that moment. Oh man, um, I, I would have to say, yeah, I think there was. Um, it's kind of an interesting journey growing up. Mom and dad attended two different churches. They had different doctrinal backgrounds. And yeah. so when I was younger, there was a lot of pressure. And we spent a lot of time going uh, with mom one week, then with dad the next week. And yeah. there were even some arguments and some pretty you know, tense times. I wouldn't say it was ideal by right. any stretch of the imagination, but it did force me to really dig in and, and search things out for myself. At yeah. some point, it couldn't be about who whose good side I needed to be on anymore that week. Right, and that kind of set me on a, a a little bit of a different trajectory, I think. But if there's anything that's going to exacerbate um, or amplify even more um, a performative approach to the scripture, mm. uh, getting everything right approach to the scripture, yeah, it would be growing up in a situation like that with a doctrinal divide that's right. constantly making you think about. The minutia of following Christ, yeah. right? What's right? What's not right? That's interesting. How do we actually break that down? And so, um, before I knew what a hermeneutical approach was, yeah. I was being forced to figure out what type of hermeneutic approach I was going to take, right. you know, and what I found to be valid and uh, where I found truth. So, I think that just added to a, a childhood uh, being around church, involved in church. Um, becoming a Christian at 12, and then learning, like I spoke a little bit about in that lesson, how to really walk the line. Right. Um, man, it was it was a weird childhood for me. I yeah. think um, <laughs> I'm a I'm a biracial kid in West Virginia in the yeah. late 80s, early 90s, and I don't really feel like I fit anywhere. Mm. 
And so there was a lot of insecurity when I was younger. Um, part of a positive aspect that developed of, of my identity was was trying to be the quote-unquote good Christian and figuring out how to do that. Yeah. There's all these other social pressures to be, you know, an athlete and all of these other things that I was defining myself by. What was your main sport? It's kind of a sore subject. It's not really sore, but basketball ended up being my main subject. I yeah. probably love football more, but yeah. my size and skills translated better to basketball, especially at the yeah. next level. So I ended up going uh, with basketball, but I still love football, man. It's, and it was and it was a basketball coach that was your one of your te- the teacher in the class you were talking about in that sermon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I mean, I'd come to a place at that point where um, the the disillusionment, I will say, of the whole just figuring out how to be good enough, right, and good in the right contexts and walk the line as close as possible and kind of have everything that you want while still being able to say, yeah, I'm faithful, I'm doing this well. Right. Um, and just kind of reaching the end and the bottom of that Yeah. Um, was inevitable. I'm glad that it happened then, I guess as early as it did in the grand scheme or context of my life. But For sure. I was at a place at that point in time where I had a knee injury that – I felt was threatening to take basketball away totally. Mm. And a lot of my identity and esteem was built on that part of my life. And so when that was removed, there were uncharacteristic things that started to pop up and happen and that I started to participate in. And it surprised me. So I had to, I really started to wrestle uh, with this idea. What am I even really doing this for? You know? And quite frankly, if I'm just trying to be good so that I can get something from God at the end, is that, is that really good anyway? I mean, because that seems right. kind of selfish. Like, that seems opposite of what I ought to be doing. Well, probably some of the smartest, like, whether it's atheist or a religious or, you know, or other religion critiques of Christianity is this sort of, like, plug-and-play system we, you know, I think we have at its worst in, in the Christian faith that if, you know, it, the idea is I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do all the right things, I'm going to check the boxes so that I can go to mm-hmm. heaven when I die. Yeah. You know, so that when, you know, that I still have hope when life suffering becomes overwhelming either at the end of my life or just as life goes on. Right. Um, and it, you were talking about in that sermon about meeting God, you were talking about Isaiah and this idea that we all have to come face to face with God. And... Like you're gonna, it's one of the points I took away from that was you're gonna come face to face with God. There's no doubt about that. Right. But are you gonna do that before judgment? Are you gonna do that before? (laughs) You know, are you gonna do that when you still have some time to maybe iron some things out with Him? Um, I thought that was such an interesting way to talk about that. And you know, you you mentioned when uh, one of the things you said made me think of something about. When I was playing basketball, I didn't play in college, but I remember my senior year, like it had been seven straight years of playing competitive basketball and with the same program. And so I had like, I had a lot of camaraderie with the guys and coaches and- It's nothing like it, man. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it, yeah. And I, I, I don't think I'd realize this until you said that about 
the fact that you know you had a knee injury and it was looking like it might be taken away kind of brought some things out of you yeah that was uncharacteristic mm -hmm. so I went six years I was a pretty good kid I mean you might not give me I played in a lot of Christian leagues so you might not give me the Christian character award or anything but I was a good <laughs> like I was a good responsible player for the most part and then my senior year I got uh, I got kicked out of at least two games I got texts in multiple games. You got teed up? I did. I got teed up a oh, lot. Wow. Is there um, footage of that? I want to see film. There might be. I know there's <coughs> I know there's some footage from that senior year, but uh <laughs> but I think I didn't even realize it until you said it, but a lot of that was and I kind of knew it at the time that it was like, "Well, I'm just getting so amped up because it's this is probably the last time I'm going to play." Um because it was already looking like, you know, I'm going to college for media stuff and not going to focus on sports as much. Not that I, I, and I was never going to be the star, but I did, I did love playing so much. That I was like, I'll again, anything to, to have that team. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's a big deal, especially as guys, like having that team and that camaraderie, camaraderie with your fellow. You got to have players. a locker room. Yeah. You need to have a locker room. Yeah. And um, guys that can challenge you, you know, cause I think maybe a little bit when you were growing up, and then more so when I'm growing up and even more so today, there is like, there's a lot of sensitivity and culture. And that was, I, I remember that was always a place where there was none. <laughs> and there was something nice about that. Like it was like a, it was like a haven for, uh, for toxic masculinity. <laughs> I, uh, not bad, not bad, but just that ribbing each other that like yeah. giving each other a hard time. Yep. If you mess up, you're going to hear about it, yep. but then it's okay. We're going to, we're going to let it go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but. you develop something in a locker room with teams where yeah. you're like you really are brothers in a sense because yeah. you'll you'll fight each other, mm -hmm. and then you know you strap it up and you go out and it's you against the world. It was yeah. an interesting dynamic for us because, I mean, that was the one place where I did really feel like I belonged for a long time. Yeah. Probably all the way until my junior year of high school when things really started to change. It's probably when I feel like God really started getting under my skin, so to speak. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we live in a weird part of West Virginia. Yeah. It's kind of like 10 minutes from Maryland, 10 minutes from Virginia. Mm -hmm. And so we're really suburb kids. <laughs> and yeah. still, whenever we went to play everywhere, they were, they were trying to laugh at the kids from West Virginia. So we, <laughs> we carried like this extra chip on our shoulder everywhere right. we went. And that was so much fun. Yeah. But then that's you and your team. It's like, because I think also one of the things that is scary about, like what you were talking about with your injury and then just that process of playing sports as a kid, when that comes to an end, one of the things that's scary about that is it does kind of feel like you're you're on your own. Like I don't have that structure in my life. I don't mm -hmm. have that. I don't, ha I don't have that place, that haven where I can go and feel like myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so then I think that that is kind of a natural time for, deeper questions and things to start coming up yeah because the temptations start to come up too the reality was it was the most important thing in my life it never should have been yeah um and it took having it taken away for right. a while to gain that mm -hmm. clarity yeah and there was a there was a moment even after that the following spring where i, I honestly thought i was done there was it was a bad car accident i thought that's probably it, man. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until then when I had no expectation and actually had my entire psyche and understanding of what I was supposed to be doing on this world right. rewired 
that God actually gave it back. And I got to play again, but it was for a totally different reason. Yeah. And um, I'm glad. I'm glad for that. I'm thankful for that. But so by that point, you get to play again. Did you have a? You were in a, you had a new outlook. You had a new. You were you were on a new path as a as a Christian. Yeah, totally yeah. new outlook. Um, when that car accident happened, it uh, it woke me up. And I remember distinctly one of the one of the thoughts that was just uh, constant, constantly present in my mind was, "Man, you are wasting so much right now." Yeah. Um, because by that time I was looking back at the fact that yeah, there was this tension at home, but I was in a home that knew God, and then I also had all of these incredible godly men and women around me from the beginning that were always yeah. speaking into me and, and nudging me and correcting me and moving me along. And, uh, I just looked at all that and said, man, you, you, you are dangerously close to just throwing all that away. And for, for what? Yeah. Cause you're mad that you're not hooping right now. Is mm. that, um, and just how selfish is that? Yeah. And so, I mean, I actually thought I was done. And I was just going to finish, get my IT degree and be finished. But one of the ways that uh, I, it helped me recover mentally was just spending time in the gym by myself. So yeah. I'd be in there working out because that's really, that was what helped me to cope. You yeah. know? Um, I just remember the same, the same coach <laughs> that witnessed the existential crisis came <laughs> in one day and he was like, hey, man. I don't know to what extent you're going to be able to get back, but I want to I want to put you on a medical red shirt, and I want to I want to give you a real shot to to try and come back from this. Man, that's cool. And uh, yeah, I mean that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, it wasn't long after that that I realized I was going to be able to do more than I thought. Um, it was kind of a cool cool end to the end of I guess basketball being the prime yeah. directive in my life at that. That's point That's cool. In time. You got some closure. Yeah, that it didn't have to be completely taken away, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's I was, cool. I was really lucky in that regard. Yeah, that uh, that I had a coach that cared about that kind of stuff and that he paid attention. Um, so I'm thankful to him for that. But so, what was the? So you're going through this sort of existential crisis. You're thinking about um, that idea. That it, I think it's an idea that we all probably, hopefully, face at some point in our lives. Am I following God for any reason other than reward? Yeah. Um, what What's the What's the way out of that? I mean, how do you, How do you How do you pivot in your mind? What's the What's the motivation for doing it any other way? That's a hard one. Yeah. Because that takes lots of time. Yeah. To and and I think still is is something that I'm trying to wrap my mind around now yeah. and have to be reminded of now. For sure. But it definitely yeah, it's a constant challenge. Yeah, yeah. It definitely started then because. From that point, when you have a thought like, man, I've, I've really been selfish right. with everything that I've been given so far. Yeah. Okay, what am I really supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. I have these gifts. I have these talents. What are they actually for? Like, If they're not supposed to be for me to just be having a good time and to be right. pursuing success and hopefully I don't do enough wrong things along the way that it rules me out of heaven at the end of the day. Right. Get you what, out of balance. Yeah, yeah. What am I really here for? And so that was the first intuition that I ever had that what I had been given in terms of relationships and ridiculous concessions and blessings all the way up to that point were supposed to be purposed for something else. Yeah. What does this look like? How am I supposed to be 
making an impact? How am I supposed to be first fulfilling my potential? That became something that I became obsessed with. Yeah. I was afraid of not fulfilling my potential. And I came to look at it as the greatest sign of ingratitude is wasted potential. Like Mm. to to become less than you're capable of becoming is to slap the face of the one who blessed you with the potential to begin with. That's right. And Man, that's good. It's burying it in the ground, so to speak. Yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily a back off from the drive that I had, which previously was for me to validate myself, to affirm myself, to all of these things that I felt like I had to have to be okay or to be liked or successful. But it was more of like a refocusing. Right. Push that in another direction. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to get to judgment day and not have poured it all out for whatever reason. Um, you're not out of the woods there, though, mm-hmm. because over the next seven to ten years, this annoying grace thing starts to, <laughs> like, just weave its way in. And I was... Yeah. I wouldn't say that... I mean, I didn't have a good understanding of grace for sure. I wasn't no. opposed to the idea of grace, but I was yeah. very... Well, it just seems too good to be true. Yeah. It still does, but I think... It's the nuances that help you. I know any nuance I've understood to what, like, what great, with the concept of grace, God is going to cover it like it didn't happen. Which is absurd. It's just, it's completely absurd. absurd. And the fact that that, you know, I know one of the things that's really helped is, and Wes talks about this a lot, and I've heard it a lot more in this. It's, you know, I grew up in a smaller Church of Christ environment older, a little bit more um, anti-institutional Church of Christ environment. And one of the things I've heard a lot more in this, in like a bigger church in the Bible Belt, is the idea that grace is, you know, it's it's the thing that make it should, that should make you want to. You're not not following God because he's going to save you. You're following God because he already did. You know, he's, yeah. you're following God because he already gave you the gift. Yeah. And that, again, I think there's even more nuances. There's even, there's probably even more layers to grace that I'm, you know, that I'm still yet to be become aware of. But I think it's things like that that, that kind of send electricity through my body and go, oh, okay. <laughs> I had yeah. such a shallow understanding of this before. <laughs> and I just, you just the, the importance of going deeper and deeper with, you know, what God is capable of, you know, because mm. we say, you know, you can say things vague, like he's, well, God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. He's everything. He's capable of, you know, of all power and all presence and all love and all that. But actually getting specific about, well, what does that look like in reality? What does that practically yeah. change in people? How's this changed the way that I have to think about yeah. what is happening? Right. This was difficult for me because that doctrinal tension, mm-hmm. right? So so dad comes from more of a, a Baptist background. He's navigated more into like a sort of a non-denominational area. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, you grow up in a pretty conservative C of C and yeah. your chief enemy in the world is Baptist ideology and That's theology. Right. And so, yeah. you know, and, and being there and even studying at the feet of of some ministers in that context that helped me a lot right, right. to grasp oh yeah I, I didn't recognize this was happening then but you know wrestling with this idea that 
You know, they're really high on grace. They've been talking about grace for a long time. Yeah. To the exclusion of any type of obligation. Right. Which is something that we would take issue with for a long time. Mm -hmm. But the grace thing that if I was to just try and navigate us from that point where everything kind of fell out the bottom for me Mm -hmm. to when I gave the message from Isaiah. There's so many other places along the way where you said that it's, it's just layered on thick and you just have to, you have to peel back everything that you learn from the time you're small because every single thing in our lives is performative. It's, it's rewards based. So from the time you're small, Mm -hmm. Uh, you learn that if you do good, you get good. Right. And if you do bad, you get bad. There's some type of positive negative reinforcement. Right. That's why the gospel is so difficult to grasp because it comes and it just subverts all of that and turns it all on its head. Yeah. But the best relationships that we have mirror what is happening with God. Mm. If I could say, like when Travis was tiny before he started getting teed up and thrown out of basketball games. Right. There was like a juice cup on a high chair, and if you knocked that off, you would get scolded. Right. That would be the original reason why you stopped knocking the juice off. But yeah. at some point, you probably realized, if I knock the juice off, I don't get the juice, and I actually kind of like the juice. Yeah. So you stop knocking it off for a different reason. Mm. Older, That's good. Yeah. more mature versions of that might be, you're scared of being punished, right. so you cease a behavior that mm-hmm. results in you going to the corner, getting a spanking, whatever it happened mm-hmm. to be. But eventually the worst thing you can think of is not the punishment, but disappointing someone who has done so much for you already. Right. They're gonna now they're gonna see me as unreliable if I do this, if I continue right. to act out. I don't wanna let them down because mm-hmm. I recognize what they've already done. Right. It's in response to what I already That's know they've done. Yeah. Our relationship with God really should mirror that trajectory. It's okay that a lot of people may become Christians or open or begin a relationship with God because they really hate the idea of hell. Mm-hmm. I mean we don't even really know what to expect from heaven enough to really even shoot at that to begin with. But we really right. know we hate weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds bad. So whatever I got to do, I'm there. Yeah. But grace doesn't let you stay there. Like yeah. if you stay there, you have an, an immature relationship. Yeah. A fear-based relationship, still a performative-based relationship where never coming to the peace that passes all understanding, never walking in confidence, never bold enough to actually give anything back or or impact anybody else. Our relationship with God ought to grow in that same way that once I recognize a little bit of how this grace works and a little bit of what Jesus has actually done, what that actually means, like you said, the practical implications of that, of this omniscient, uh, omnipotent being that has already handled it. Yeah and I'm just coming to grips with it, then I'll be in a similar place where I really don't want to let him down. I do want to fulfill my potential, but not because I'm afraid of going to hell per se. You right. know, that's a, a real thing. Right. But in a gratitude-based response, Yeah. not a fear-based response. Yeah, well, and I think I've been thinking a lot about, you know, in the last couple of years as I've kind of begun to, you know, I've sort of had similar moments of pivoting and, and feeling the need to, really buckle down with my faith because life is hard yeah it is <laughs> and life brings suffering and one of the things i've thought a lot about is you know paul talks about in his letters about 
you know, if this is not true, if this is a lie, then we are to be pitied above, above everybody else. Eat, drink, and be merry, man. Right. Might because, well. be, you know, and there's not, you can't make this rationalistic argument, which I've heard people try to make, and I, and I get why people try to make it, that, well, you know, living as a Christian, even if heaven's not real, even if God's not real, even if Christ isn't real, you know, you're going to live a good life. You're going to be a good citizen if you're a good Christian. You're going to, you know, you're going to treat people right. You know, overall, you'll have a better life. And so mm-hmm. that justifies it in and of itself. And Paul would say, absolutely not. You're devoting your life to a lie. What could be more horrible and terrifying than that? So if we're in, if we're in with Christ, well, then we're, we have to be all in. Yeah. And I think by the same token, I think to say that your faith is just about the other life, just about the afterlife. It's just about eternity. Yeah. As big as eternity is, it's like I think it ha- it has to make an effect now. It has to change things now. Yeah. And when life gets hard, when life brings suffering, as it is inevitable to do, I've realized I've you know part of the motivation for me is I need a faith. I need a belief. I need a story I can tell myself, mm. not a fantasy, but a story I can tell myself that justifies it. Because I think that, you know, as we've seen in the last couple of years, as we've seen, you know, our world kind of get turned upside down um, for all of us one way or the other, it's, it's, it, 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 be, it becomes increasingly more obvious that we need that story, that we need mm-hmm. something that's, that gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You know, just that. I mean, that's, um, that's I think, one of those things that we take <clears throat> for granted when things are going well. And then when life starts to pack a wallop, we forget. That's where it gets exciting to me, though, too. Yeah. Like, because it's new. <laughs> You're right on the money there in that we need a story that we tell ourselves, but also that we can share with others. Mm-hmm. If, if we remain in this performance-based theological framework. I got to get all the things life right. Life paradigm. Yeah. Then you're in a really <laughs> you're in a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 1, if you're meeting all those standards, then it puts you in a place of superiority to others right. naturally and right. you're constantly it, it creates a hotbed for uh, self-righteousness. Yeah, you'll yeah. constantly have trouble not looking down your nose at other people. Mm-hmm. You'll struggle with that. And then if you're not meeting those standards, you'll constantly be in shame and guilt. Um, right. and insecurity. Yeah. Uh, one of the saddest things to me, I have a really passion for trying to reach are the thousands and thousands that'll sit in a chair every Sunday, every Wednesday, three, four times a week, and not actually have any confidence mm-hmm. that if they met their end today, that they would actually be in the presence of their Lord. Right. They still and, feel like there's a deficit. Yeah. Th- there's so much that ties into this because without it, at least a, a rudimentary understanding of grace and how far it reaches, without being on that journey of letting that dig deep, you'll never get out of that place. Right. And we lament and we worry about our inability to evangelize and connect with the community around us. Right. But I'll tell you this, Travis, if there's anything I know about people we're not going to share anything that we're not confident about. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you to go get barbecue somewhere unless I know you're going to get dynamite barbecue. And if I'm not sure I'm going to be in heaven, Mm -hmm. if I'm not sure that what Christ has done has taken care of where I'm at and who I am. Why would I be an ambassador for it? There's no way I'm going to be able to share confidently with others, tell the story that you're talking about. There's no way I'm going to be able to share something meaningful and relevant 
with the people around me and connect with that community. So, right. I mean, yeah, we want to grow, but in many cases, we've got a lot of internal mm. work <laughs> that has to be done first. Yeah. Um, and it comes back to that. It comes back to that G word. Um, it makes it exciting. Yeah. When you come a little bit further, Isaiah is such a powerful example of this because I love how he immediately gets commissioned for a job after that. Right. I just like, yeah. I, yeah. And he, he's at his absolute lowest. Mm-hmm. He just realized, man, I've been tearing apart this entire nation. All of it's true. But in the presence of God face to face, I'm just like them. Yeah. I'm not any better than them. Mm. And everything that I have to offer is unclean, filthy rags, even the best parts of me. Like, so in order to actually get there and then get commissioned mm-hmm. by God to work with him on the mission that he is working in this world, yeah. like that's the journey of every Christian. That should be the journey of every Christian. You're, you're having a, a face-to-face encounter with God. You're meeting God when you become a Christian, yeah. when you take on Jesus. And you should be very aware <laughs> of your insufficiency. Yeah. And yeah. at the same time... Yeah more accepted and loved and valued and treasured than you ever really dared hope. Yeah. And you get put into mission in God's world that way. I've, I, I've, I'm starting to think that, that that's wrapped up in the fear of God is also the, like, it's terrifying to realize that he loves you for as you are. Yeah. It's terrifying to realize yeah. that he accepts the fact that you're, you're flawed, you are, you are a corrupt version of what he intended for you. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, and and it doesn't get worked out this side of heaven. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. You don't ever reach uh, the place where you're not. The I mean, w- woe to anyone who believes that they've reached that place or oh, anticipates yeah. or expects to reach that place. Right. The process of sanctification is ongoing. Mm-hmm. There was a moment several years ago. I've been chewing on this for a while. I don't think I could have, I certainly couldn't have come to where I am now in this process without it. Yeah. But I've been, I've been working really hard to correct a flaw, mm-hmm. a very, very discernible flaw. Like, no question, like, this has got to get fixed. You've got to stop doing this. Yeah. And I did great for a while. Sheer willpower, mm-hmm. commitment, prayer, all of that, you know, I'm It'll going take in. Too far. Yeah. And it's kind of like you get in those modes where you're like, I'm going to harness all of the discipline yeah. that maybe I used back when I was pursuing athletic means, and I'm just right. I'm just going to grind this thing. I'm going to grit it out. I did so well until I didn't. And I remember sitting in the room, ugly man crying, not like whimpering, like 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 awkward Denzel yell cry. <laughs> 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 like just yeah yeah just breathing through it and i remember thinking man you were doing so good yeah i'm telling you man it was like it was like the shock you talked about before mm-hmm. and it was almost i don't i know i know i didn't hear god audibly but it's almost like i just heard him marcus this is your problem man you're still keeping score mm. you still think if you work hard enough and try hard enough you can do it that is so hard to get out of. So I cried some more. Yeah. And then I had another thought, and this is the one that sticks with me to this day. And I love sharing this with people because 
we don't think about it. It's one of those practical implications of this omnipotent, omniscient being. Right. And it was just like, okay, if God knew all the ways I was going to mess up mm-hmm. before I even became a Christian, certainly, yeah, he, he forgave those. I know he knew. And he knew all the mistakes I was going to make up to this point. Yeah. Because he's omniscient. Like, he knows everything, right? I never stopped to think that when the scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ came for the ungodly, like he did so in full knowledge of who we were, what we were going to be, not for just then or all of the events that led up to that point in time, but for everything that was even going to come to pass after that. And included in that are all the ways that Marcus has yet to mess up, even this day sitting here right now, right. that I'm unaware of, but he knows fully yeah. exactly how I'm about to bust it up. Mm-hmm. So when I sat in that room and I said, God, I can't believe I did this again. He was looking back at me saying, but I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Believable to me. <laughs> There's only one shocked person in the room. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And it's not God. So yeah. in a very real way, I realized, no, I'm still coming to grips with how broken I actually am. Like, right. I don't want to admit how bad I actually am. Yeah, I have mm. so many blind spots. I'm so irrevocably broken. Mm-hmm. And that was just like another like nail of like, dude, this grace thing. Yeah. Like, you got to lean on that fully. You got to lean all the way into it because you can't like... Yeah truncated off and say, yeah, there's grace for this and grace for this. Right. Like, no, I'm a mess. I'm a literal mess. Yeah. And in that moment, I feel like God kind of looked at me and said, well, now that you're aware of how broken you are, maybe we can actually grow from this, (laughs) you know? That's good. Yeah. this is nothing new. And that's not to say that when I mess up or when I fall short that God is just okay with it and it doesn't grieve the spirit and it's okay. But he really already knows And there's too much evidence of him working through providentially, doing things that I can't explain, like just working through in my life. And there's too much evidence of that for me to ever believe that he's somehow abandoned me or forsaken me or left me because, you know, this was the mess up that the grace doesn't cover or this is the mess up that the cross didn't take care of. Hmm. You said something earlier about gratitude and about ingratitude being one of those like... Like if there's anything that's wrong, like you can, you can usually trace it back in some sense to ingratitude. I know that's been true true for me. Like, yeah. because the, you know, part of, like you were talking about this need that we often feel as Christians and and different backgrounds. You know, uh, people come from different backgrounds probably have uh, different baggage in this area. But that doctrinal baggage that mm-hmm. I got to get all the steps right. Mm-hmm. I think one of those things it it makes you in like it it gives you ingratitude for something like grace, it yeah. give, because it just gives you you know e- even if that's just taking it for granted, even if that's just or just straight up ignoring it and ignoring that God intends that for you. God intends because grace is never not going to be humbling, right? And so if this desire that we have to in a sense, I think it's, I know with myself, it's been like feed my own ego. I want to know that sheer willpower alone, that I'm that capable. I want to do it. Yeah, I, I want to do, do it, it because then I earn it. Think about all yeah. of the humans that say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you hear a small kid say, I want to do it. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll learn someday. Is and that that's usually when the parent lets the kid mess it up. <laughs> and here we are in our spiritual walks. I yeah. want to do it. 
I want to do it. Yeah. I want to be responsible for my salvation. Yeah. We have from the beginning. Yeah. Um, you can. Uh, if there are two things that I could easily trace back to the very beginning, mm-hmm. the original fall, pride, and a lack of gratitude. Like those mm-hmm. two things usually come symbiotically oh, yeah. married together. Yeah. Um, and they're always self-serving. Mm-hmm. And they usually don't end up well. The thing about the performance-based paradigm mm-hmm. leading to a lack of gratitude, it, it, it fosters behavioral manipulation, mm-hmm. behavioral moderation, yeah. but not spiritual transformation. Mm. So you can come to a place where you do all of the right things for all of the wrong reasons. Right. And if you think about some of the things that surprise us, those instances where parts of us come out that we didn't really want to come out or we didn't believe were there, we buried or right. ignored or denied, they usually happen in extraordinary circumstances, mm. sometimes over time. I mean, we can lead ourselves there, though. If the only reason that I don't lie is because I think something bad will happen when I do. Right. That works. That's only, an easy theory to break. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> only until I'm faced with a circumstance where yeah. something worse will happen right. unless I lie. Yeah. And we That's might good. fall in that situation and say, I can't believe I did that. I've never, I never lie. I'm an honest person. When in reality, our entire lives, we've been nursing mm-hmm. This we've actually been leading up to this building totally. Yeah, because the only reason we ever decided not to lie in the first place was because we didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like that right there highlights the need to actually think about these things and to to really get to the heart of our motivations for whatever it is. Yep. Whatever it is that we're looking at, whatever it is that we're facing, because we can get into those situations where it's like, wait, that's not that's not me. Oh, but it's it like, is. Oh, it is. Like you said, you've been training this. You've been training this beast for a while. Yeah, and you just didn't know it because of neglect, because of because of not, you, you know, you weren't paying attention to, um, to the danger of putting it all on yourself. Yeah, you weren't paying attention to the danger of not having the humility to be grateful in spite of suffering, to be grateful in spite of. You know, we, we, I, th- I think at any given point we can all look around and go, things could be better. But I think one thing I know I've learned is it doesn't, uh, even at the lowest point, and probably one of the big reasons I got back from the lowest point is because I had at some point, you know, maybe, like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't the voice from heaven like I heard it in the room, but it might as well have been. Something, right. something kicks me in the pants to go, don't you have a few things to be grateful for? Like, and then you actually look around. A little spirit you, conviction coming exactly. in. <laughs> and that's where, and I know that's like, you know, again, getting practical, like something about like prayer life. You know, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with, praying. And I know that I've had times where I don't pray regularly. I don't make it a habit. I don't. And if somebody, you know, somebody, I remember somebody asked me, you know, well, why is that? You know, I'm kind of being honest about, you know, I don't pray much right now. And, and I said, well, you know, I just don't feel it. I don't, I don't feel any different. And, and I kind of accepted that that was the case, that, well, prayer's a discipline. You have to pray through willpower. You have to, be, there's not going to be like, uh, even if it's small, some direct result of a good prayer life 
that will keep you coming back. And I realized mm-hmm. that the missing ingredient was gratitude. Again, not to, you know to, to go back to that, to harp on that a little more, because that tends to be, I think, where I meet God yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. Is it doesn't matter how bad things are or how good things are. Actually looking at what I have to be grateful for you know, and the, the, the support in my life, the, mm. you know, if, if you have somebody that you could turn to in a crisis, even if that's not right now, you're not in a crisis at the, any given moment, but you know, you have like, I know I could go to that person. I know things are stable in our relationship. I know like, that's, that's something really to be grateful for. That's something that, you know, you can't take 100% of the credit for under any under any delusion, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that uh, that that seems to me to be one of those missing ingredients that changes you as a as a person, as a Christian, as somebody trying to follow Christ. Have you had like, have you had things like that? I'm I'm always interested in the practical, <clears throat> like specifically with regards to prayer. I yeah. think it's um, two things really. Uh, number one practicing that gratitude and prayer that we talked about earlier. Yeah. For a long time, I just go with my hands out asking for things. And even mm-hmm. if they were like repentant, right. Humble quote unquote things to ask for, like, God, please help me. Yeah. You know, still just going with my hands out and that's okay. That's what small right. children do. Yeah. And that's exactly what we are in comparison to God. That's the whole Abba father crying out is okay. Right. But when I become aware of my own badness, mm-hmm. the extent of my own badness, the fact that God would even listen to me, mm-hmm. I would have been done with me a long time ago. Yeah. So having the gratitude that God is even going to open up the channel mm-hmm. for me to come stand before him and full knowledge, knowing what I'm going to do next week mm-hmm. and what I'm going to pour out right here in front of him today, yeah. that he listens and works through that and that it changes me and that it is effective, that the effective, fervent prayer of the saints avails much, still mind-boggling to me. Yeah. So having a, a gratitude disposition in prayer and making sure that one of the things that I try to be disciplined in is saying thank you, Yeah. giving glory first before asking for anything. Yeah. Because um, sometimes that'll take me right out of bad temperament from the beginning. Totally. I might have something really pressing that I'm upset about that I'm going to bring yeah. into the throne room if I have to stop. Then I realize I'm in the throne room. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to come in here throw a tantrum right now? Yeah. I mean, you need to stop and think, like, pump the brakes a second. Yeah. And think about what God is really doing in your life right now. Yeah. Um, and the second thing was not being afraid to just talk to God. And I don't want to use the word casually, but I want to say, like, continually. It used to, it used to kind of freak me out, the pray without ceasing. How do you really do that if you got to stop yes. and... You know, say a formal prayer. But this might just be me. I've found it to be helpful and encouraging and keeps me grounded and level if I'm willing and able to just talk to God throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Even if it's internally, sometimes it's not. I'm sure someone has heard me somewhere in a weird place, and they probably think I'm talking to myself. But, I mean, I'm talking about all the time. Like, don't be afraid, in my opinion, when you're in the midst of a conversation that you can sense getting tense, mm-hmm. to just stop and say, hey, God, give me the words. Yeah. Give me the words here. Like, Or if you're having a, a marital dispute or something, like, hey, God, make sure that I have my mind right for this. You know, yeah. Make sure that I'm considering you know, her point of view or his point of view. And 
in the middle of a workout. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. might say this is really bad, but thank you. Yeah. Um, help me get through this. It doesn't really matter. I think that has been big for me too. Yeah. Just I really, to, I really like that encouragement to pray without ceasing. Yeah. And that idea of, like you said, not keeping it. I think there's those moments. I, I know one of the distinctions I thought of when you talked about casual is like, I think it's good to have those times where I sit down Yeah. and absolutely. I, I block out and I go, and, and like you said, and this is, I'm, I'm going to harp a lot on this podcast about <laughs> the chosen, okay, um, yeah. which I know you're a fan of. It's good. Cause you're a Christian. Um, <laughs> no, no, the no, chosen no. in Chick-fil-A. We're, That's right. We're they, solid. We're solid. And, um, but one of the things that they make a, they make a big point about, I think there was actually an episode where they, you know, Jesus or somebody outlines this where they're going, they're talking about prayer and they're talking about the, well, the first thing you do, he's telling them how to pray. Now I'm remembering the episode. He's telling them how to pray. And he's doing the Lord's prayer. And he says, the first thing you do is you make sure you address the greatness of God. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was such an encouragement to me because I immediately thought of what you did, what you said a minute ago, which was, oh, that'll, that'll kick me off my high horse. Think about where you are yeah. for a second. Yeah. Don't just, like you said, don't be the, don't be the idiot running into the throne room, you know, scream again, not that God's not okay with that. Not that in a moment of crisis, you can't do that, that you can't run to God. But if you have, you know, from a discipline perspective, if try to come with the, the humility of, you know, Father, hallowed be thy name. Like, you know, you are great. The king of the universe, that kind of thing. Yeah. Try that on. Yeah. I've found... And oftentimes I do this in the morning. That's how I'll start my day. Yeah. The Lord's Prayer like is that. deep. Yeah, it it's is. Gonna, it's going to take you through. Uh, That's everything. Yeah. It every, takes you through everything in life. Every right? level. <laughs> so if, if I just start with my Father who's in heaven, hallowed, high, yeah, glorious, worthy be your name. And I just mm-hmm. expound on each section just a little bit, take myself through. Yeah. It's a great way to lend some perspective to the day. Absolutely. Um, but the away, the away moments, the set-aside moments are definitely important. Um, I had some really good advice a couple of years ago when I was really struggling with burnout, mm-hmm. burning the candle on both ends, doing ministry, doing business at the same time, traveling a lot. And I would go, 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 like rapid fire for like four or five weeks. And then I would just hit a place where... I couldn't be bothered for like four or five days. I yep. go into like a, I just be off the grid. I go dark. I'm not returning messages. Yeah, it was bad. And then I was also at a place where I couldn't enjoy anything anymore. Mm. If I was working out, it was kind of for my business, and that wasn't fun anymore. And if I watched something on TV or picked up a game controller or something, I felt lazy and unproductive. Right. So there was like no place for me to really recover. And my buddy said to me, he said, "Hey, um." Are you a disciple of Jesus? I was like, yeah. You try to model his life in your life? And I say, yeah, as much as I can. He said, well, well, did he ever just get away, spend some time with God by himself intentionally, mm-hmm. even when people wanted him to do things? Right, for, even when there were probably him? a lot of good reasons to stick around. Yeah. I was like, yeah. He That's actually kind of made a habit of it. That was part of his rhythm. And he yeah. was like, okay. Well, if the literal son of God had to do that mm-hmm. to be at his best, to fulfill his mission. How arrogant do you have to be to believe you're not going to need to do the same thing? Yeah. Schedule some time out of the day. Get away. Talk to God. 
Sabbath, whatever you want to call it. Right. Do something that fuels you up. Spend some time with God, even if it's in the weight room or doing a hobby or something. Someplace right. where you can just be you and God. Do that. Make that a priority. Yeah. And that literally changed my life. <laughs> that was one of the best <laughs> pieces of hard advice that I ever got That's from somebody. Good. But um, I think that's got to be uh, a daily thing. Yeah. If, if you want to discipline something. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had the urge to be spiritual but not religious? That kind of the distinction we make. <sighs> um, that's a really good question. It's also a loaded question because um, that's become kind of a buzzword mm-hmm. or a byword. Yeah. I'm torn between. I almost don't think that. I, I think when we say it like that, it almost doesn't mean anything anymore because it's been said so many times. Yeah, yeah. But I also, I still understand the sentiment of it for sure. Yeah. So if we define the terms, because what I, what I reject is the idea that um, there doesn't need to be community. Yeah. Uh, right? And I think that's that's at the heart of that question. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not with the whole, hey, I should just have my own relationship with God and I don't need to be in community. I don't need to be pouring into people and be be poured into. I don't need to be, you know, discipled and I don't need to disciple. It's just mm-hmm. me. And, you know, I reject that. I get why that yeah. exists. And we have a lot of work to do in that area. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Jesus did a lot of this where he is flat out opposing the way that structured institutional religion was functioning in his time. Right. But he was drawing out deeper um, principles that were from the heart of God and saying, here's how it's actually supposed to look. Right. So Without abandoning the idea of structure in the first place. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Man, that's so good. I could answer that question and say, yes, if we're not going with the, the common popular buzzword kind of, you know, right. anti-institutional religion type deal. Yeah. I get why that exists, but I I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this whole thing that we've been talking about, grace and discipleship and walking with Christ is impossible on your own. Yep. You've got to have people that are contemporary to you that are struggling with the same um, life chapters that you're walking through. You got to have people that are a little behind you that you can pour into. You have to have a place where your gifts are being utilized and your talents are being used to benefit others. And you need someone who's in front of you who can tell you what's coming, right? Yeah. Or what they see when you can't see it because they have experience and perspective. Yeah. You don't get that without community. Um, and you don't get it without each other. Yeah. So um, for all the faults maybe that we have in the Western church model that mm-hmm. has been established and entrenched over the last thousand years that we're kind of re-examining and looking at and considering now. Right. Y- you can't do discipleship without the church. Yeah. So um, if that's a fair answer, yes and no. Yeah. No, no, no. I, no, I really <laughs> like that because I think, I, I, you know, I asked that question because it's one that's really been on my heart, especially since the pandemic and since church had to look really different. Yeah. And I think that one thing that a lot of people are struggling with, and I know that I've struggled with is, you know, well, why can't I be just me and Jesus? You know, I kind of like my rip and sip cup. Yeah, exactly. Watching service (laughs) on the TV. Yeah. 
What's a rip and sip? I've never heard that term. I think I know what Somebody, you're talking about. I, I, think, I think the Christian Chronicle coined that, the rip and sip disposable communion That's cups. That's brilliant. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. I don't, yeah. Yeah. It's peel and feel maybe? I don't know. Peel. That feels more <laughs> spiritual to yeah. me. I like that though. I like that idea because it, it is something that's so tempting. And I, I think, like I've certainly had my moments. I've had, you know, I think I was probably about 16, and maybe this is something we could talk about. I was probably about 16 when I felt like I started to see the dirty underbelly of of what church can be, of what church can devolve into. Yep. And because you know, like 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 you, I grew up in church. Um, it was a it was a pretty conservative, small Church of Christ. Um, and we were really involved. We were, you know, my dad was was an elder. Um, later on, as you know, as I as I got a little bit older, and um, and our family was always really involved. And then part of the the downside of being so involved in the fabric of a church is that's when you get to see people's, you know, what people <clears throat> say versus what people do, and mm-hmm. you get to see. You get to see personal disagreements and arguments disrupt uh, relationships that are supposed to be about spreading the gospel and uh, you know attending to the members of a you know of a congregation and making sure everybody's on on board and advancing in their relationship with Christ as best you can. And when that starts to happen, like you, you mentioned burnout, and I know you, you were kind of talking about burnout. With, with a lot of different dimensions in your mm-hmm. life, but I think burnout is all you know is also something you see a lot in just in following Christ alongside other Christians, and and I think that again I was about sixteen when I really started to realize like oh there's a lot there's a lot more going on under the surface here, and a lot of people that I respect, a lot of people that have taught me as I've grown up, are you know. You know, the message and the messenger aren't exactly sapatico all the time. Mm, yeah. And and I think that, you know, one of the things that that, that, that sort of set off, uh, I, I'm very, I like to be very introspective and think about points where, oh, that was where that started. <laughs> that was where this journey really began. And I know that that set off a, a journey for me that was, you know, constantly, I think I find that life is constantly calling me back to, are you going to be committed with a group of believers? Are you going to do this alongside other Christians? Yeah. Um, and my answer hasn't always been the same. Mm. And um, and I was thinking about and one of the things that made me want to start this podcast in the first place and talk to other Christians about like what keeps you going, what keeps you involved, is that you know I was thinking that these questions have come up for me in the last couple of years while working at a church. I was like, if I feel that way and I work at a church, like I, I, you know, I get to be involved sort of by default sometimes. And yet I still question, like, could I be doing more? Could mm-hmm. I be more involved? What else could I be doing? It's like, if I feel that way, then, I, you know, how, how you know, I, I know also just from, from growing up and from being in college and, uh, and, and in my early 20s, like, and not working for a church, that it's hard. It's hard just on a membership level to to prioritize your walk with God, not just, you know, okay, I'm going to be disciplined in my individual life about prayer. I'm going to be disciplined about, 
you know, where I spend my time, who I spend my time with. But part of that being, I'm, I need to do this in church. I need to do this with other Christians. I need to be focused on the goal of the church. I think, you know, I had a brother say to me recently, we were talking about church, we were talking about this this concept of wanting, you know, this desire that we have sometimes to just be spiritual and not religious in an organized sense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like you said, I want to have that. I want to have my own individual communion cup, uh, just in the privacy of my own home. Hey, man, communion in my PJs is kind of comfortable. It right? was. It was really great. There were a lot <laughs> of things that were really great about it. <laughs> you know, I think that kind of touches on some of this, though, or at least it, it 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 reveals it or aggravates it. Yeah. And I think. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna maybe strike a little bit deep. I want I want to think about carefully choosing my words here because yeah. one of the things that uh, a couple good friends of mine, uh, brothers of mine, Anthony Rex and Chip Pugh, we, we talk about a lot together is that, you know, if you see things that need addressed or need reexamined, you know, you don't have to villainize people yeah. and you don't have to be adversarial. It's one right. of the worst things we can do is attribute some of the things that we see that are not right mm-hmm. or even abrasive or have even pushed us away from maybe an organized aspect or make right. us think this is not what I want. Now, the worst thing that we can do is make personal attacks because people rarely intend them that way. No. And even rarer do they understand what the implications of how right. they're behaving are. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really a challenge right now, especially for CFCs, the way that we do things developed predominantly in an era where statistically 70-some-odd percent of people went to church somewhere yeah. every Sunday. Right. It's a lot. And in that environment, which, by the way, is a very, very small, small subset of the time the church has been on earth to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique era. It's a very privileged era. We got really good at teaching people the right church to go to for this reason and this reason and this reason and this reason. Mm -hmm. That's everything down to order of worship, to the way that worship is done, all of these different aspects. And that worked pretty well while there were a lot of people going to church. Right. Churches of Christ had a heyday through the 50s and 60s when that was the case. Right. 70s, 80s, 90s come along, and the culture itself shifts away from being a church-going culture right? to the place now in 2019, 2020, we're looking at 20-some percent of people are regular church attendees, and that's if they attend three out of every eight Sundays, Yeah. which when I was growing up, if I went three out of every eight Sundays, mom's not very happy, right? Yeah. That doesn't really pass. Yeah. So we have a totally different culture that we exist in now. Yeah. Now, when you emphasize those aspects so much for so long. A natural consequence of that is that people attach their identity and their spiritual esteem to those things, the way that they are done. That's what they identify themselves by. Right. And so any deviation from that doesn't feel like just a conversation or a reexamination. Right. It feels like a personal attack. It feels like an attack on their identity. So, you know. That's good. I might think it's really silly that Joe is ready to fight and tear the church apart about the way the chairs need to be arranged or whether we're allowed to have chairs instead of pews. Right. 
And that might actually be silly, but right. I need to give the grace to understand that this guy is coming from a paradigm and a place spiritually where he really has come to believe because we taught this for so long yeah. that this is why he's saved because he does things this specific, perfect, right way. Yeah. Right? So everything becomes a potential landmine. Right. Every change, every... And there are some places that don't have that. That is... That's everywhere. So yeah. we have people fighting about curtains and cups and all sorts of things. When COVID comes, mm -hmm. knocks us back into our homes right. out of necessity, everyone has the chance to kind of cool on this for a second. Yeah. And we start to think you know what, this is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. And if this isn't wrong, I mean, why couldn't I just do this all the time? I know. And it starts to bump up against some of those things that make people uncomfortable. You know, dress and attire has been a hot button issue for lots of maybe more conservative congregations yep. and uh, as opposed to more contemporary congregations. What's really nice about being here at McDermott is you will run the whole gamut. Oh, and everyone yeah. is just, I've always loved that. Yeah, that's a really neat dynamic. Yeah. But, you know... Even my own dad is cut from a cloth. We're like, hey, you wear a tie. Yeah. Someone who really hates that and doesn't understand why that's a thing. Yeah. Like that kind of pushes them away from the organized culture and they right. don't feel like they fit there and they don't feel comfortable there. Someone might come into a congregation where everyone's buttoned up in their tie and they might feel like, well, this is really not for me. Yeah. Now they're at home watching church on Zoom and they're in their pajamas and they're like, okay. So why do I need to wear a tie when I go into church? So mm -hmm. it just brings to the surface all of those different things that they really didn't like about the organized aspect. Right. And I think we have to be willing to kind of talk about those. Absolutely. In an honest way. Yeah. Like that's a small one. Yeah. That's really a non-consequential one. But for some people, it is consequential. But examining know? the reasoning behind why we get spun up about these things exactly. is what's so important. And I know yes. that one, I know one of the things that came up in conversations I had early on when we're all we're all doing church on zoom we're all live streaming worship um and we're doing you know i'm happily in my pjs watching our produced uh, our produced worship service and thinking about one of the things that you know we talked about was the argument that i've heard and i've probably even used myself a time or two you know uh maybe in defense of my nice buttoned up suit attire i i brought to church or something like that saying well, I want to give my best to God. Well, but just not when I'm on my couch watching worship. You know, it was like <laughs> it, at the end of the day, it had to do with being around other people. It had to yeah. do with um, with the, the perception I was, you know, wanting to to uh, the other people to have of me as I walked in. So, like that was one of those things where you don't necessarily get to examine that reasoning unless you sort of strip away the pretense of, you know, well, this is about my relationship with God. It's like, mm -hmm. unless it's in my own living room, you know, it's, and, and I think, like you said, we have to talk about that and we have to, and I think one of the things that, um, I, and I find is helping me a lot, whether we're talking about, whether I'm talking with somebody about church and being a Christian and the differences we have in how we want to do that or how we think we're supposed to do that. Or if we, you know, whether I'm talking about somebody about with somebody about uh, politics or you know culture and things like that, one of the things that I found is so helpful is, okay, let's strip away the de like let's strip away the details and the like, and let's really get to the fundamental of what we're talking about. Because mm -hmm. if we have a difference, 
rest assured it's not about the details it's not about the little things it's not about it's not we're not really talking about what we wear to right. church you know yep. we're talking about something deep we're talking about a process that we we each have and they're not they're not sympatico they're not lining up and i think it, like you said i think it's it's we're in a really interesting time where you know things in some ways feel tense um, and I think that there is, you know, there is a lot of, um, th- there is a lot of fallout from, I, I mean, I, I just don't think you get to not meet and see people, you know, physically. I think that's, that, that's, you know, there's just no getting around how important that is. Like, no, if, if I, it's just a lot easier to be mad at somebody that you don't have to see every day, mm-hmm. that you don't have to be working alongside. Like that's. You you got to you got to get rid of that. You got to bury the hatchet. If if it's like no, we we've, we've got work to do. We've yeah. got we've got something to do. And when you didn't have that going on for a while, I think you know I think it, I think it's brought out a lot across Christendom and across across the world for sure. But I think as as you know, focusing on this from the perspective of the church and of of Christians, it's like I, I think we've. We've definitely learned that we've got a lot of well, we've got a lot of things we need to iron out. We've got a lot of uh, we we have a a reformation <clears throat> to 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 spark <laughs> strong term. But yeah. I I agree. Yeah. If if anything, this period of the last year and a half hasn't created new issues so much as no. it has revealed ones yeah. that were there and, and we made them just, unavoidable. We we're just comfortable with. Yeah. I mean. We're just comfortable with political polarization mm-hmm. until now. We're just comfortable with racial tension yeah. until now. We're right. just comfortable with the performative nature of coming to church every Sunday. Mm. And no matter what is going on in your life, right. shaking a hand and saying you're doing great, mm-hmm. checking your box. and li- We're just comfortable Man. with yeah. that. We're comfortable with ignoring Jesus' teaching that, hey, if you've got something against your brother... You need to go talk to him before you even step in this house to worship. Yeah. Really comfortable. Yeah, Jesse. I've thought of that one. <laughs> and if you're just at home, well, okay. Yeah. That makes it all that much easier. Yeah. A- at least if we're here together, and I'm mad at Travis, and i got to look over there and see him, yeah. and then sit here and pray to God, I might be convicted. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Just, yeah. I'm just saying the chances are greater. But we definitely... For sure. We well, at least you're thinking about it. At least you're, and you know, uh, there's so many things I think in in scripture like that that um, that point to like you're supposed to be thinking about it, and that's one of those things yeah. that I've I've definitely I don't want to I don't want to just you know stop short there and and let that be an excuse for me to not go deal with the the tension with my brother across mm-hmm. the room, but I but I think that one of the things that that has made me think of is the importance of oh I see Marcus I see Marcus across the room man I need to I need to I need to deal with that I need to bury the hatchet I need to get rid of that um, and you got to get this grace thing in yeah because you will only ever be able to extend the amount of grace that you recognize right you require yeah that's good that's so, really good. If we're a culture of people that sits in these chairs and we think pretty much we've got it all right. Yeah. And everyone else is the problem. Yeah. And I'm living up to these standards and why can't they just be disciplined like I am? You yeah. Know? Then I have very little grace to extend. 
Yeah. And there's a really good chance that I'm just not aware, like Isaiah, like Peter, like Moses, like Abraham, mm-hmm. like me, how bad I actually am. Mm. That's not a climate that is conducive to the church being the church. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. and I think I thought of this earlier. It was something we were talking about. Um, sometimes I think it's easy for me to assume a motivation or a, um, you know, a sign of, of, of sinful nature, a sign of sin or something, or just a motivation that I have. I would assume it's temporary in myself before, uh, whereas I might assume it's constant in somebody oh, yeah. else. Rash generalizations. Yeah. They always... Like, well, they're that type of person. Who make they're, a character judgment. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. The, Humans, if nothing else, have an incredible talent for judging ourselves by our intentions, but others by their actions. Mm. <laughs> and so because, was, because I'm always going to know, well, I had a reason for that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I feel justified in that moment. Yeah. And I know I mean well. Yeah. So, you know, of course, this right. is not who I actually am. But them, no, they, this is who they are. Right. At their core. Because I think most of us are rarely impulsive to the point of not being able to justify it in the moment. Like (laughs) we'll do some serious gymnastics. There's always some sort of lead up that makes, it makes absolute sense why I did that. Sin, But I would never give that, that to somebody else. I would never extend that grace. I forget. I was having a conversation with someone the other day. We're talking about that, Mm -hmm. that sin never makes sense in the grand scheme with perspective and clarity. Sin never makes sense. But Mm -hmm. in the moment, every mistake you've ever made, Every yeah. lie you've ever told, every dirty thing you've ever done to right. you in the moment of the decision made sense. Totally. Even if it doesn't. Yeah. It did then. And we never do stop to think, okay, for this person that I am fuming at right now, why did that make sense to them in the moment? Yeah. Okay. Now, even for someone who has come to a place where they're callous, and generally disagreeable, mm-hmm. and they do nothing but walk over other people at this point, even for that person, having the perspective and clarity to know, okay, this is why they are the way they are. Right. Me confronting this in this way because of that mm-hmm. is probably not going to lead to a favorable resolution in any way. Right. So maybe I should stop and think about this because I'm going to be playing right into the same type of shenanigans that they're already out for. Totally. And in some instances, you might stop and think, you know, this person is really short all the time because they have a really incredibly difficult home situation that I have no idea what they're going through, you know? Man. And that's like, I was even like, as recent as last night, I was in traffic and I had a moment where I gave, I like... I could feel myself getting way angrier about somebody cutting me off. <laughs> Why is it always in a car? I know. We get so mad in a car. Because there's a certain type of anger that comes out when you have a <laughs> wheel in front of you. Um, but I had that moment where I thought, like, you know, somebody speeds up, cuts me off, and I, I have the, you know. Also, you can get angry without consequences. I think that's another reason. Yeah. Because I can yell and scream at the top of my lungs. Reasonable about a, amount of anonymity as well. Right. Yeah. So I'm getting angry. I feel that start. And then I go, wait a minute. You know, they're, I've done that. And I had a good reason for it. You know, I was, I was, you know, <laughs> racing like a bat out of hell because, well, you know, I was late. You know? <laughs> and to me, that felt perfectly reasonable. And I had like, it, there's always that, you know, because anger is a, a, anger is a tough, strong emotion to try to quell. Hmm. But I think, like dis- that's one of those things disciplining ourselves to like look outward and 
Like even in that moment where it's like, okay, that because that's also a good time to practice that, I think, because there's not there's not a lot of motivation to like nobody's going to see me do a better job of dealing with an angry, you know, de- dealing with a, a bad driver. Nobody's going to see me handling that well, just like nobody's going to see me handling it poorly. That's a good point. Um, so, you know, that's that's we've sort of taken the praying on the street corner out of the equation here. So I'm not nobody's going to see me mess up and nobody's going to see me do good. So why should I, you know, but, it, but I know it's better for me. I know it's yeah. better for me not to get worked up. I know it's better for me to sit there and exercise that empathy muscle and go, well, wait a minute. I've done that. I've, you know, and, and, and if you, and maybe if I can do it there in the car on 635, maybe, maybe I can do it, you know, in this auditorium, looking go. at my brother across the way. You also have to sit with yourself. Yes. There's no one else to, you know, yeah. validate your anger, or right. affirm your anger at the time. Yeah. So you just have to sit and think about That's what you just said yeah. over something potentially really small. Yep. Car's a great time to get prayer in for me. Oh, uh, it's a great time. Good moment. And, you know, I can think back. I don't know. This was probably back when I was in college. I just remember. I try to remind myself of this every time. Not necessarily with the road rage, but I used to get so upset when there were traffic jams mm. i just are you yeah. kidding me like here we go like and then of course people are driving bad and i need a rig out in the left lane to block these guys who are trying to just scoot up and like i'm gonna let you in no, i'm not letting you in but no. forget about it yeah. like you waited too long stop I do that a lot. there is a car on its roof somewhere yep you being late Mm-hmm. is not a big enough inconvenience for you not to stop and care about this person's well-being. Like, is this what you're going to focus on in this situation? Yeah. I can't escape my own selfishness in the car. I just have to sit there. Man, I feel like we could talk about the metaphor of cars and driving forever. <laughs> so just, you know, I've got one more. Okay. I think, like you said, there's a car flipped over somewhere. That's a humbling moment when you're yeah. getting really ticked off about a traffic jam, about why is it slow? You know, of course now it's probably, you know, there's probably nothing. It's probably, and then you pull up and it's like, like the other day it was one, like an oil tanker had gotten out of control. Yeah, that was bad there. Yeah. It was real bad. And then I, and thankfully that wasn't a time where I was getting real worked up beforehand. But I remember getting thankful as I passed by, like, man, I'm glad I didn't, like, first of all, hope everybody's okay, you know, you know, it's, it's always good to say a little prayer, but I was also like, that's a really selfish thing to get worked up about, like, like you said, there's a, there's a car turned over somewhere, and I think that, again, that, that kind of, that empathy that we can have in life for when somebody's doing something that we just unequivocally think is wrong, unequivocally there's no excuse for it when it's like well if i was doing it there rest assured there'd be an excuse for it um and i think you know waiting around to see well what is the outcome of this what's really going on yeah maybe what caused it yeah because the rest assured i'm not privy to all that information yeah i mean roads and cars are not designed to cause fatal accidents yeah but things go wrong. Mm-hmm. So when you get into a traffic jam good. where there's been a wreck, mm-hmm. maybe the presence of mind to stop and think, okay, something has gone wrong here. Yeah. Potentially, this could be a bad situation. Right. This is important, you know. It's mm-hmm. hard in the moment. I know, Rick, you're talking about we're coming back from a day 
at Six Flags. That's right, yeah. We're coming back from Six Flags. I think that was, yeah. I got a van full of teenagers. They're singing Taylor Swift or something. Not any better than I could. <laughs> Shrill. I don't believe that. It's 106 but. degrees out there all day. Yeah. Family is in town, and we're trying to like go to dinner and have a good time. And so then you, we you've, get, you've got like a lot going on. You're thinking about a lot of things. that traffic jam. Yeah. And we're sitting there. And I miss the exit that could have taken us around it. So we end up stuck on the on the ramp there, on the yeah. overpass for like an extra 30 minutes. And, man, it it was harrowing when you saw what yeah. actually happened. Yeah. Um, when someone is acting out, mm -hmm. it's because something is wrong, whether they recognize it or not. Mm. People aren't supposed to work that way, function that way, yeah. communicate that way. There's been a wreck somewhere. Yeah, that's you good. You might not be able to see it. You might not know where it happened. Yeah, something might, you know, something might be tragically wrong. And this backup that we're having, this collision that we're having, might just be a result of that. And we don't really have any way to know. But I do know this. Our expectation of people, our brothers and sisters in the church, is so much higher because we know what we aspire to be and ought to be, mm -hmm. that unfortunately sometimes yeah. it causes us not to give the benefit of the doubt and the grace that we ought to give one another as brothers and sisters. Right. So a lot of times we're shorter with each other than we even would be someone who wasn't, you know, across the auditorium from you. And That's good, yeah. We ought to give some attention to that. Because I think that we always have ideal of Jesus ahead of us. Yeah. We always have the, and, and that ideal is inherently a judge because it's like we're all aspiring to be like Christ. We're all aspiring to, to and like you said, we all know that that's what each other are aspiring to as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there, I think there is a real motivation that's not necessarily bad or good. You know, uh, there's a lot of good in it that, you know, I need to hold you to a higher standard. I need to, sure. I need yeah. to, but Again, that uh, you know, as Jesus Himself pointed out, hold yourself to the higher standard first, and then everybody else. And then also, I think that you know, the the division that we experience in church. I know something that's occurred to me lately is the God. There's four gospels. Then we get a history of the church in the Book of Acts, and then we get letter after letter after letter dealing with division in the church. <laughs> so it's like the 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 structure of the very New Testament that, you know, is our founding document is made up so that we like to give a, maybe to give us an idea of, oh, church is the hard part. <laughs> People are messy. Yeah. That might be the most optimistic People view of the New Testament that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> People are messy. Yeah, that's we good. are. We're, we're messy. We, yeah. we all have this ego problem, whether totally. we recognize it or yeah. not. And we're all bringing in different baggages of baggages of sin, um, and also, and this is something I, I man, I brought it up with Wes on the podcast we do, doing Bible studies, and it's just something I've thought about more in recent years as I'm getting into my late twenties. Is I was 12 when I was baptized, and so what that means to me is I've done most of my sinning since then. <laughs> Like I didn't also incredibly optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's an understatement to say the least. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. Actually. But it's like I didn't have a lot of time or a lot of ability <laughs> to sin between one through twelve or zero through twelve. 
but I, you know, I got to the point, you know, I, it's not something that I questioned, you know, did I, you know, more than in passing, you know, did I know enough at the time? Yeah. But that's also getting into that doctrinal, like I had to know enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. In order to, anyway, we could go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> let's not. Um, it's but a good, it's a good, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. A lot of people struggle and wrestle with that. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, I, I look back and I go, no, no, I knew enough. Now it was very much, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. You know, I, my, you, you said this towards the beginning of our conversation and it's something my dad always talks about. Like I'm perfectly, he says, I'm perfectly fine with someone coming to Christ because they don't want to go to hell, but you can't stay with Christ. Absolutely. With not. that motivation. Yeah. Like that ha- you have to, you have to know more yeah. at a certain point. You have to, you have to come to know that that's not, that's not what's going to keep you in Jesus is right. just fear, you know, and, and he has no intention in that. And, um. But I come to Christ, and then right in my preteen years, I'm coming to 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 say I'm going to commit my life to Christ. Which I again, I don't regret that. I think it was a good decision to make, best decision I've ever made. Right. But all of my baggage that I bring is mostly since then. It's mostly since I was baptized, and I think that that can be kind of a because I think that's you know a lot of us come to church because our parents went to church a lot of us come to church and and you know there's nothing wrong with that i think um i think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of baggage that can go with that but i think there's also a lot of good things like having a foundation and and you know i know i know i can still remember bible stories and it's not cuz i read them in the last 5 years you know it's like it's it's because i have a foundation of that and i that's definitely something to 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 deeply appreciate um, but again, that idea of like, I became a Christian and then as I'm becoming an adult. And so that's when I'm starting to get into behaviors and habits that I, you know, are going to cause me trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something, you know, what, ad- what advice would you have for somebody? I and mean, we all pick up, we all pick up different things in that, in that, uh, in that journey. And I know, and now that you you were the exact same age when you got baptized. How have you kind of handled that? Like, again, in that, in examining your own story and your own walk with God, your own, your own walk as a Christian, how do you, how do you manage that, um, that understanding? Like, again, that we've talked about grace, but how do you manage that understanding <clears throat> of, you know, God had a plan throughout all that. God had a plan through through when I was messing up, and I w- wasn't anywhere close to the goal. Yeah. Um, I think there are a couple of, of jump-off points. I think the first one was realizing something that I try to instill in everyone that I have the opportunity to have this conversation with or anyone who's thinking about becoming a Christian, yeah. that, hey, man, becoming a Christian, being baptized into Christ, whatever, it's not your get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's not giving you a second chance. And it's really hard not to look at it this way. I've been bad. I recognize that I'm going to have my sins washed away, and now I've got a new lease on life, and I'm going to be committed, and I'm going to love God, right. and it's going to be awesome. This is my second chance. I'm so thankful that I get this second chance. That's not really, you know, a bad kind of gratitude to have. Sure. 
But I do believe it is misguided. Yeah. Because why, I, why is that? I think the essence of the gospel is not that becoming a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, gives you a second chance. I don't think Jesus came to give us a second chance. Mm. The message of the gospel is that Jesus is the second chance. Mm. A continual second chance. He is yeah. the second chance, yeah. right? Um, That's interesting. If it is the case that he came to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, yeah. then I do set myself up for a lot of consternation and anxiety and right. wrestling and grappling if my expectation is that, okay, I'm supposed to do this right now. Yeah. Instead of, this is the beginning of a journey, that I'm submitting to Jesus yeah. and submitting to the Father that whatever they want from me, whatever they want to make me into, mm-hmm. I'm sold out to let that happen. Right? Yeah. I'm That's flawed, good. I'm broken, but I'm going on this journey. And that mindset, when it develops, puts you in a little bit of a different place. Um, the second thing is that, and I asked this question the other day, how can God look at a man like David and have through the Spirit, words uttered that he's a man after God's own heart prior yeah. to everything that David was going to do. Right. Yeah. And we're not just talking about, you know, I, you know, looked at a lady and, you know, it, we're talking about entrapment, murder, conspiracy to commit mass murder. We're right. talking about a cover up that spanned for a long extent of time. We're talking about a hardened David that had convinced himself that it was the right way to handle things, right. the right thing to do. And anyone on the outside looking in would know, yeah. man, he is way out of his lane right now. Yeah. Like, for, And we even look at what David did and say, man, I would never be that bad. Oh, yeah. It's a good idea that we don't understand how this really works. <sighs> man, but that's good. Originally, like looking at that question, which used to give me a lot of pause, like how could you possibly say this? How is that a man after God's own heart? Right. Only if you see our time here on earth as part of what God is making you to be Mm. and that an omnipotent, omniscient God can look at you knowing what the end result is going to be and he speaks to you and calls you based on that, not based on the falls that you're going to experience along the way. This happens a couple different times in Scripture. When yeah. God calls people, he calls them as he sees them. He calls them as the final record will know, Gideon as a man of valor, right? David as a man after his own heart. Not because he wasn't going to fall, but that he was going to be willing to repent and do his best to grow and make those things right. And what he was going to do when the truth hit him. Yeah, yeah. his response right. to that moment when he meets God face to face, if you will. Mm, that's good. Uh, so... In much the same way, whatever happens to me on the other side of baptism, I am a child of God. Yeah. How absurd that is, (laughs) that he listens to me, that I would be called a son of God, but that he would call me according to what his final vision for me is. Yeah. And it's just my job to faithfully walk that out, come what may, not out of fear anymore, but out of gratitude. Right. That this incredible opportunity has been afforded to me. That as I grow in my understanding of my own brokenness and fallenness, that God would still use me. Get out of here. It's just ridiculous, right? It is. Like, knowing everything that God has done for us, 
you come to a place of realization that there's nothing that he cannot ask of me in return. Right. And so, you know, for someone who's struggling with, man, I've really done most of the bad things in my life since being baptized. Right. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, you're in good company. You have, <laughs> and you're probably not done. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably not finished. Yeah, um, isn't that the truth? I mean, there's always, uh, you know, as soon as you, I feel like as soon as you learn a lesson, as soon as you attain a, a new height in your uh, in your faith journey, uh, a valley is coming. Uh, coming an opportunity coming. for you to learn another lesson is coming. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where the growth happens, though. Yeah. So think about this. If this isn't the final score, mm-hmm. right? if God's ultimate will is the new heavens and the new earth, when mm-hmm. he is, again, in the midst of his people, his children, if that's what counts, if that's what yeah. we're going to, it's not that the stuff that, does, that happens here doesn't matter. Yeah. But it is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if we're all on that journey, okay. Like I can commit to that process. Right. I can be I can be humble with this process of sanctification, and yeah. I take constant reminders. I need constantly reminded of the gospel. This is why the Christian worldview wins. Mm. It's the only one that makes what we do here actually matter. Right. Period. And what you do, who you become. I used to say that life is about who you become in the pursuit of the things that you want. No. Mm. Life is about who you become in the pursuit of fulfilling the potential, the original idea that God had for you when he made you. That's what life is about. Mm. That's what God is looking to. That's that David's a man after my own heart, even though I know all these things he's going to do in the span of his life that are going to, that are going to, you know, from God's perspective, disappoint me and, and make me want to turn away from him. But the problem is I know who I know who he can become. And that goes back to something you said towards the beginning about maybe the most maybe the least um, amount of gratitude we can have is to have unfulfilled potential. Yeah. You said something like that. Yeah. And that idea that, you know, we it's incumbent upon us to be the best followers of Christ. It's incumbent upon us to be to fulfill our potential to the very, you know, to the very max because the truth is God's given each of us different privileges, yeah. different um, different gifts, and we can spend all of our time focusing on, one, on the ones we didn't get, on the circumstances we didn't get born into, the, you know, the talents that we, that didn't just come naturally to us, mm-hmm. the you know, the uh, the tragedies that we didn't avoid or what have you, you know, or we can take, again, take real stock of what God has given us. Because rest assured, it's like, the, you know, man, if if you think you're suffering, if you think you're, uh, if you think, if you think it's, if you think it couldn't get worse, man, put those feelers out because life will prove you wrong. The people, the human race will prove you wrong. There's always somebody that has it worse. (laughs) And, uh, and so your, your potential is, uh, for what you could do is, uh, you know, it's, it's probably something you'll never, you know, hopefully it's something only in hindsight that you can realize, Hey, I did it. You know, because in the moment it's, there's always probably something more. There's always something, you know, there, there's another opportunity you could uh, you could take hold of, and, and yeah, 
That's a fair question to ask too. Yeah. Am I, am I stewarding well everything mm-hmm. that I've been given? Yeah. And that's the, that's the real question for me at this stage in life. Am I being a good steward? Yeah. Um, it's the, it's burying talents in the ground, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it's out of fear, right. Or, or anything else. Yeah. Or guilt. Yeah. I think we do a lot of things out of, I know I've witnessed myself waste a lot of time or waste a lot of energy or waste um, a lot of gifts and and talents because I just didn't feel like I, I don't deserve to be a part of anything good. I don't deserve to be uh, a part of God's mission. I don't, you know, and again, to look at the, I think part of the reason we get those stories about David and about, you know, about Gideon and about about times when the heroes in our heritage have failed is because it's 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 not just so we can go well man I would never do that There's like you said if you th- if you're thinking that you're reading it wrong <laughs> yeah you just haven't been faced with the right circumstances exactly. for that monster to come out of you because yeah. it's in everybody totally uh, but hey if there was grace for them there's grace for you too yeah. And, in many ways, because I, the inverse of that is also true. Exactly. Yeah. When, when I talk about the gospel subverting that expectation, mm-hmm. when you say, "Yeah, I don't deserve to be a part of that," you're not wrong. Yeah. You really don't. But good news is, you are. None of us do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and yet, yet we're still we are a part of it. Yeah. And God has called yeah. you to be a part of it. Yeah. So now, how ought you to move with mm-hmm. that knowledge and understanding? You don't have to move out of fear. You don't have to move out of shame. Yeah. Because if God's not ashamed to bless you and gift you and call you, right? then you don't really have any grounds to be ashamed in and of yourself unless it's coming from that pride word that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, right? Yeah. Uh, so you can move in gratitude and you can move in confidence. Yeah. That's the powerful thing about the gospel. If, and I think I heard Tim Keller say this, it's never left me, Yeah, that the essence of the gospel is that you are way worse than you ever wanted to admit, yet way more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. If that is the case, then it keeps me from ever putting myself in a position of superiority to anyone. Right. If I realize I'm way worse, way worse than I can even fathom. But at the same time, I get to move with a godly humility and confidence. Yeah. Because I know I'm accepted. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm called inexplicably. And that's something that I know doesn't come from me. So that is something that I can share with confidence with other people. Right. If the source of my righteousness comes from me and it's based yeah. on my merit and my ability to perform, then I'm always at risk of either looking down on others who aren't reaching that standard or not being confident enough to share because I'm not really sure if I'm okay in this whole equation. Right. I'm saying that old prayer, when we die, we hope that we've lived well enough that you'll give us a home in heaven with you. Mm. runs totally contrary to yeah. the gospel message. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on... It's kind of weird how God does that. Because you could read that Paul was a murderer, and you could read that, and you could say, okay, that makes me feel better about the flaws that I have. I'm yeah. sure that if he's in, I'm in too. Yeah. But you're really misreading that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Really misreading that. And... God continues to just dig and and push you through to the next stage of understanding what that really means. Yeah. Um, I don't know why God chooses who he chooses. And there's nothing good in me that is of me. Mm -hmm. So 
I just want people to be free. Yeah. I want them to be able to move with that same confidence and poise Mm -hmm. that Paul has. Yeah. When on one hand he struggles mightily like we did, you know, who will, who will save me from this, you know, body of death, you know, and in the next sentence, praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, and just sharing that with everybody. Yeah. I think, man, so many things you were saying about, it just makes me think about the the time that we live in and how, I mean, I mean, I think, you know, like Solomon says, and so many things, nothing really changes. I think, you know, as far as humans go, we're, we're struggling with the same things today that we were yesterday yeah. and yesteryear and, and, and throughout all time. But I think that some of the nuances of today and living in this information age and, and where everything is in, in a sense checkable, <laughs> You know, we can we can quantify it. We can mm. we can fact check it. Mm-hmm. But to the point where there's we've realized there's so much information and there's so many things to quantify that it's not quantifiable and we can't fact check it. <laughs> that the challenge that that presents, I think, for us as Christians, is the the you know so many times the missing. I, I find the missing ingredient is faith. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was missing. Oh, I had all my I had all my ducks in a row. I had it all lined up. I thought I knew what I was bringing to the table. I thought I knew, you know, I thought I could sort of quantify and understand, you know, well, I think I've done more good than bad or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever, however, whatever situation you're dealing with. But I think so many times, like, you know, the, the, you know, like the point I think you were getting at is the faith that it takes to understand, like that, that Keller quote, that I'm probably way worse than I can imagine. And yet God also has way more love and way more grace for me than I could possibly understand, you know, on this side of heaven. That's that. Well, okay. So then how do I move forward with that? You know, well, how, how do I move forward? Well, there's, there's, there's some faith, there's some trusting that maybe I don't have to have this all figured out. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't have to think all the right things in order to be saved. Maybe it's more about trusting the fact that I am and then what does be you know what 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 kind of avenues does that open up if I actually if you believe. really believed it mm-hmm. yeah that's where it's at if you really believed it and I'm not going to say if you really believed it because anyone that's listening to this I want you to know if I really believed it like this is the human struggle this is the struggle oh if, totally if I could really believe I'm asking that question right now oh. yeah how would that change my life yeah what would happen if I really believed I was saved. We uncover this a little bit at a time, and we're all at different places in this journey. But the extent to which you really, truly believe the gospel, like it is really ingrained Mm -hmm. in the fabric of the way you breathe and move, think about things, see things, you do find yourself becoming more like Paul. Yeah. Unflappable. Totally. Like in the worst of situations, Mm -hmm. with joy. Because that's where it gets called out. It's like, because you... As you were saying that, I was thinking that's when, like, there are moments in life, and if 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 you're not in one right now, rest assured it's it's around the corner. It's coming, and it may not be something all bad. It may not be something all good, but it's you know it something's going to happen that's going to make you. It's it's just going to give you a check in with, well, how much do you believe it? Because I know I know that was something you know of all the negative things and all the negative things that it brought out of me. One thing that was very encouraging in the pandemic was realizing, like, 
I would hear worldly, you know, people of the world, they get really worried and get really, really stressed. And I was getting really worried and really stressed. But it was on a different, I could tell it was on a different level. But I'm okay. And I could tell people around me, Christians around me, there was a different level. Yeah, it was like, at the end of the day, I knew we weren't getting out of here alive anyway. So, you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, we're all going, you know, in some sense the same way, unless he comes back early. And, uh, but, you know, that you will have moments where your faith gets, you know, it get the the curtain gets peeled back and you and everybody else, Unfortunately, it's also a lot of times everybody else at the same time gets to look at, you know, how much do you really believe? How much do you really believe that you're saved and that Jesus is coming back for you? And um, is that affecting your life? Yeah. Re- like, it, is that the driving yeah. anchor, rudder in your life? Man, that's good. It needs to be more. We, we all need more of that. Absolutely. Because um, as you said, it's you know even if even if there's a moment where you know you can check in and go okay uh, that i feel good about that that felt good i i do i do believe i do you know it, when it gets challenged i can feel it. it you can go deeper you can go you know you, you yeah there's you still get, more for you to learn then you get convicted when you have the awareness and you're like wow man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i really don't deserve this i'm not <laughs> sure yeah so yeah. then you're going to be emotional on a whole a whole nother wavelength totally. from a whole nother direction um you don't get to that point without the grace that we talked about before. Yeah. You never get to the place where you're like, all right, either he's coming here, I'm going there, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Unless you have mm-hmm. that grace. Otherwise, that's a perilous situation. Totally. To ever be or to allow ourselves to remain in a place where we would ask or feel as though we would approach God saying, I hope I've done enough. Yeah. I mean, the end of the Sermon on the Mount is nuts. It's wild. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that we have the propensity to miss it sometimes Mm -hmm. because Jesus goes through the whole sermon and he's comparing real righteousness with the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers. He's not comparing real righteousness with worldly pursuits. Mm -hmm. We get all the way to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and we talk about the wide road and the narrow gate. Mm-hmm. And we immediately try to flip the context and say, wide is the road. These are people that don't care about God and they're just doing their own thing. It hasn't been for the entire sermon. Mm. That's good. The clue is in what these people say to Jesus when they get there. Right. Because when he's talking about those that are on the wide road and those who go through the narrow, difficult way, mm-hmm. those who are on the wide road show up and they say, haven't we done all these things in right. your name? Mm. Jesus doesn't check them on the fact that they didn't actually do these things. Right. He doesn't even check them on the fact that they did it for some sort of their own gain in the moment in time. Yeah. He just says to them, you did this for the wrong reasons. I don't actually know you. Your heart is far from me. Mm. These were not just people that were living, eat, drink, and be merry worldly, chasing all these other things like we like to paint them. No, these were religious people who were genuinely trying to get everything right, and they did a lot of stuff in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. If I get to Judgment Day and I have anything to say outside of it's all Jesus, I have nothing to offer but him, then I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. 
Yeah. We will sing dressed in his righteousness alone, but then we will pray, hope we've lived a good enough life to get the reward of heaven with you. Mm. I'm telling you, I don't have anything to say to God. He already yeah. knows. If I get there, it, it is, it's all Jesus. If I'm in, it's because of him. <laughs> it's not me. I have nothing that I could possibly say in any way. Yeah. Even yeah, the gate good. portion of that scripture is a little bit backwards for us because we commonly talk about it like difficult is the path and then the gate is at the end. If you've lived well enough, you get to go through the narrow right. gate. Right. There's still a merit. Uh, but in the illustration, in the gate comes first. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Like the gate is first right. and then the difficult way after. So That's people on yeah, people in a difficult way, they're already through the gate. Yeah. Well, who's the gate? Jesus. <laughs> right? Yeah. So man. Mm. <laughs> Think about the implications of that up against our grace-centered conversation that we just had. Yeah. It's not that the things that we do aren't important and we shouldn't do them. Right. It is that we should be doing them for totally different reasons. Mm-hmm. And if we come to that place, Man, it's gonna light our churches on fire. Yeah, you'll get the reformation. You'll get the awakening that you're calling right. for, and we'll get down to the real of what God is calling us to do in this community and in this world. Mm, man, that's good. Because I think, and, and, you know, I'm always thinking about the like the practical imp- implication of that. Because that, I mean, what you just said, talking about the narrow and the wide gate. And how even like even the way we read it even implies that we're still thinking. We are. <laughs> we're still thinking about the merit side of it. Like, what did I do enough? Did I do enough? But the, you know, the what you broke down is more like an Old Testament model of all I have to offer. Like, I can't properly repay. There's nothing on me that I can give to repay my debt. Yeah. So I'm going to sacrifice this animal. But you and me are going up, and we're saying, I have nothing I can give you, Lord, except your son. I have, I have Jesus. That's all I can give you. That's it. So in our lives, like how do you think, what, what are some ways that that like might play out in daily life? Like giving, all I'm bringing to the table is Jesus. All I'm bringing as my sacrifice is Jesus. I'm not... Gonna because I don't you know if if I, if I, if I don't want to end up at the pearly gates with that mindset, then I don't want to live with that mindset while I'm while I'm walking the path. So, you know what? How how do we how do we you know how do we obtain Jesus like that? How do we grab onto Jesus like that and really make full you know? make full use take full advantage of the fact that he that he gave his life that you know that he that he was supposed to be the one time sacrifice for everybody i mean how do, how how do we how does that translate i know that's a big question that is a big question it's hard yeah because <clears throat> if i could tr- if man it almost exactly mirrors what we just talked about yeah to the extent which you can believe mm-hmm. that what Jesus has done, not just for humanity at large, even mm-hmm. though it is, but actually for you, for you yeah. in your circumstance, then this becomes a path that you can start to walk. Mm. Um, but it's 
still going to be fraught with temptations and pitfalls because we are flawed. Right. And we have desperate hearts and egos that are all sorts of out of whack. And so yeah. we, we crave affirmation. Mm-hmm. We crave to be validated. We crave to be significant. Mm-hmm. And all of those things war against us when we're in daily circumstances with people that are also difficult and other pressures and worries, just the common daily stuff about life being okay and living a good life and having what you need and all of those different things. It'll manifest differently in everybody, but that's there for us all. Yeah. I mean, think about this. I heard an analogy once. (laughs) The only parts of the body that call attention to themselves continually are ones that are messed up, broken, or hurt. <laughs> That's good. Like your toes don't bother you unless they're hurting. Nope. You usually don't wake up in the morning. You're like, man, my toes are awesome yeah. today. Yeah. Unless, I'm conscious of my toes. Yeah. Unless you've had a broken toe. Yeah. It's been killing you and all of a sudden Then you know they're fine. there. Right. So things in the body don't call attention to themselves unless they're messed up. Yeah. They're like an alarm to let you know something's wrong. Yeah. So what does that mean about your self-esteem and your ego when you can't go through one day without feeling slighted, Mm. underappreciated, without feeling like people don't care or listen, without being upset about the way someone looks at you, treats you, drives in front of you. Or I did something wrong. I I didn't show up. I I didn't, you know, yeah. I haven't been good enough. I haven't been strong enough. You know, what does that say about our egos? Mm -hmm. Now... (laughs) The only thing that can cover up and fix and heal our ego is the gospel. Yeah. So that has got to really, really seep in, which is why I started by saying to the extent that you really, truly can believe that what Jesus has done is for you, for you, because he loves you. And yes, he's going to work through you. And yes, he's given you talents and gifts that even through your brokenness, he's going to shine through until you can start to grasp that. And the extent to which you can grasp that the more you're going to be able to function and live the gospel out practically. Mm. Because the things that tend to trip us up just don't matter in light of that message. Yeah, They just feel small. We're desperately holding on to our self-affirmation. We're desperately holding on to what people think of us. Yeah. Yeah. Until that matters less than what Jesus has done matters, it will always be predominant in the way that we're moving throughout the world and interacting with people. We still might do some good things when we're consciously thinking about, hey, right. I should really take care of this person. Yeah. But it doesn't become like natural. It's not an inside out change. Yeah. Yeah. Until it's actually overridden, healed, the wounded, swollen ego that tells you you're not good enough. And the way that you're good enough is either tearing other people down or comparing yourself to other people or doing things perfectly or hiding so that no one can see that you're not perfect. That doesn't go away till the gospel really gets in deep. Because so many of the things that we've talked about, you know, we've talked about church and how church can be hard and, and, and worshiping alongside and, and coming up into, in, in Christ alongside other people is, is difficult, you know, we, for all the reasons that we talked about that. But I think one of the ways that that, you know, that we're motivated to do that, it's like, no, 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 I need to be around other Christians. I want to be around God's people is because we know we have that in common. Yeah. Is because we can have nothing else in common. But if we have Jesus in common, if we're both saying, 
I come from a different background. I've got different baggage than you do. I've got different, you know, it, you know, advantages or disadvantages or, okay, all of that could be true. But at the end of the day, you and I are bringing the same sacrifice mm. to God on Judgment Day. Mm. We're br- that's you and I have the same answer. Then that's good enough. That's good enough to make a life here. That's good enough to make a work here. Jesus is the only thing that levels the playing ground for everybody. Yeah. And makes us both equal, truly. Truly. In God's eyes, in our own eyes, a lot of times we don't truly carry that into our interactions with each other. Right. But... Well, because I'm always going to want to bring... Well, yeah, but I, you know, I'm Travis. I've got, you know... Hey, nobody edits like Travis. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I, I've, got, I've got media skills. I've got... Uh, <laughs> I've got a low voice. I've got a, you know, I'm always going to bring my things to the yeah. table. Like, again, like I, like I'm responsible for all of those, which in, in so many cases I'm not. No. But even if I was, what's that any good for? Because I'm also responsible for a lot of bad. I'm also responsible for a lot of things that, so there's almost, uh, it almost feels like what we're saying is that the downside of, or the, the, the upside of taking your identity in Christ, of reshaping your identity in Christ, is grace. He's going he's gonna to cover up all the, all the mistakes, all of the, the corruption. But maybe, the, maybe some of the downsides, because I'm always, you know, I, I'm also being more aware in recent years of counting the cost. You know, Jesus encourages yeah. us to do that. Count the cost. Like, don't, um, Wes and I did a podcast that's coming out probably pretty soon for the Bible study podcast, we were talking about, um, it, it was actually a moment in the chosen that inspired it, but it's inspired by so many moments in scripture where, you know, it, it, Jesus said something like in the, in the show, he said, you know, I require a lot of people who follow me, but I require very little of people who don't. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it's like, it, it makes you think about, oh, following Jesus isn't a given. I think sometimes as a Christian, I can think, well, of course I would do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but it's important to realize the things you're giving up. It's important to realize. And I think part of, you know, you know what we're saying about what Christ is for us as followers of him, it also requires you to give up like your bragging rights to yeah. some extent. You got to give up the credit. Yeah. It doesn't come from me. It's not in like, it doesn't mean that you won't get to enjoy it at all. Right. You still enjoy being a media boss. Yeah. And people will still say, fantastic job, Travis. You still enjoy that moment. Right. But you don't get to take the credit. Yeah. And ultimately, you don't get to take the credit. We're cosmic plagiarists. (laughs) We've all been given talents and gifts and, you know, incredibly, in many cases, blessed circumstances to live this life the time that we live in. Right. I mean, things are very, very different. We've got a lot of things going for us. We don't even get to have this conversation. I know. Even technology aside 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. It just doesn't get to happen. Yeah. And we can't take credit for any of that. Mm-mm. Um, but it is freeing. Because it we is. get we get it wrong a lot. And I just want think about the things that we've talked about on this. And all the things that we know we have to do better. Yeah. And where we're missing it. Yeah. And despite all of those flaws, right? think about those incredible moments of beauty where God is shining through the cracks, mm-hmm. even when we don't really understand the gospel the way that we feel like we should, even yeah. when we're not grasping grace or living or walking in grace. Just think about that. Yeah. Think about 
if if the playing field is level in Christ, then I get to appreciate the gifts and talents he's given you yeah. without feeling threatened by them, mm. without feeling envious of them. Right. Right? But if I still am placing my esteem and my stock and my value in what I bring to the table, mm. then I'm always in competition with you, even subconsciously. Right. There's always going to be a number we, we can compare, something but you're bringing more. But how much is Travis really bringing to McDermott? Right. Like, I mean, come on. Right. Wes really does. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the list is endless of what totally. can be said. But, but if you and I are both offering up Jesus, yeah, that's it. At the end of the day, we're offering up the same. If that's my resume on Judgment Day, if it's yeah. just Jesus and everything that He has done through me is because of that, yeah, then man, I can I can celebrate you. I can be pumped when you put out good stuff, yeah, and not have it agitate mm. that ego that is so broken and always ringing the alarm and calling attention to itself mm-hmm. that I'm not good enough or I should do more. Or Travis isn't that good, you know? <laughs> or I know what he did on this day, like yeah. you know. If people really knew, You're right? All of that stuff comes from the struggle that we have. Yeah, and we should be saying, "Lord, I believe." Help my unbelief a lot more. A lot more, man. I like that. I think so. Well, Marcus, I think that's that's gonna do it. I think so, man. It's been a good conversation. I love Likewise, it. thanks for doing this. This was a uh, this was awesome. Absolutely, man.